Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. That's right. Welcome to Bink at Night. Jay Binkley, Chris Sunocero producing the operation. Shortened show, abbreviated show. About half the time. Josh Vernier. Comes your way at 7.30. So we have a night game tonight in Los Angeles. Jackson Coar starting tonight. Of course, this is a big deal. And I'm all for this, Chris. Give me all the late games you can. Not because we get to do this for a little while, but because I enjoy night baseball. And I enjoyed it a lot more when I had younger kids, right? They're in bed. You're sitting around. You got nothing going on. You watch some late night baseball. Chris is ready to be here for the long haul. Till midnight or whenever. Oh, oh it's going to be past midnight, man. It's, I'm not going to be home till like 2 in the morning. That's pre- premiere night, right? Jake's core. <laughs> yeah. Ver- Ver- yeah. Vern's going to be wound up, man. He's going to be he's gonna be wound up and going for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, he's. I'm pretty sure he's excited about it. I, it. I mean, certainly the late start might deter a lot of people from watching tonight's game, but uh, tonight's game is going to be pretty important. If Kowar can go out there and play like a major league pitcher, uh, all of a sudden now we look at the Royals and we're like, okay, now we got some momentum here. Maybe our rotation can can get shored up and look good in that in that playoff run. And it's cool to get his old friend Dylan Bundy that they lit up. Remember in Baltimore, he couldn't even make another first oh, inning. I remember that game. Dylan Bundy once one of the best prospects in baseball. I'll never forget he was in the 2012 all-Star game, making the rounds with Manny Machado, getting ready for the Futures game. But it checks the court. I, I sense the Royals fans are pretty excited. You know, I was listening to Vern last night, as I typically do in the post game, just get a sense and feel for how fans are acting. They were upset. You know, one-run losses, they were they were, they were, they were taking it, man, right? One-run losses, we need to win these games. I mean, the excitement he forwarded the other night when William Zastadio is out there embarrassing the game of baseball, throwing at 43 miles an hour. Which, by the way, which, by the way, when the Royals had that lead on Minnesota and they put a position player, Ostadio, in the pitch, first of all, Ostadio's funny. I mean, he just does some funny things. I like the guy, but I'll be honest with you. You're mean Mercedes. This made me think of that when he was out there pitching against the Royals. When you're out there throwing 43 miles an hour, that's as big as an embarrassment to the game than Mercedes swinging on 3-0. It just is. It just is. Like, I don't blame him at all. That was infuriating watching him pitch. You know what? Put a position player that can throw it at least 70 miles an hour. Let's do it. I actually think it's more fun to watch position players pitch but not than, it again. Is, than it is to watch pitchers bat. Like, I actually think it's more of a novelty whenever they bring in position players to pitch because it's always interesting because some of those guys can throw hard, and it's always more fun when they get it when they sure. get a strike out there. I, I, guess, I think that's more interesting. Pitcher walks into a home run. I, like, I like remember Mad that, Bum or Grinky or somebody like that. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw a a uh, a pitcher hit a home run. I think it was Kerry Wood when he was playing for the uh, for was it Kerry Wood? I think it was, I think it was Kerry Wood when he was playing for the Cubs, and uh, it was on WG. And he hit a home run. I was like, "Oh man, they let pitchers hit in the in the National League." And it was, I was shocked by that. Well, some like it because in college yeah. they do. Yeah, because you know, they do times, that. Yeah, in high school they do a lot of. Zach Greinke, you know, miss doing that from. For, he wanted to be a hitter, and he likes pitching. Up. Madison Bumgarner's been a DH yeah, before. Yeah, and he's uh, he's hit home runs. with the Giants. Yeah, but I'm just saying, man. Sometimes they walk. Bartolo Colon, his home run against the Padres, still to this day is epic. 
Then yeah. he finally got one. Right? Yeah, it just most of the time those when those guys go out there to hit, they're they're not very effective, and the managers don't really want them to try. They just want them to butt if a guy's on on base so they can advance, and that's it. But I think it's more fun to watch a position player go out there and try to pitch because when they when they do something great or just normal, it's actually really exciting to watch. Yeah, pitchers' home runs are fun. Watching guys throw forty three rounds an hour is not fun. Sorry, position players, man, just. I get it, man. He's throwing an EFAS out there really slow, whatever the hell he was throwing. But that was, I was just, I mean, just jack this. I don't care if you're up by 10, just jack. It's 14 to 5 as the final score. Just jack it, man. You know, if they're going to do this, make them pay. You know what? Rocco Baldelli, get somebody else that can throw the ball over the plate. That's basically what I was saying. But go ahead and jack it. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I, I don't, I think you should keep trying to score runs until the game's over, regardless of what, what the score is. You might as you well keep scoring. <laughs> you might as well. But of course, the big news broke yesterday on the post game show during Mike Matheny's uh, post game. Uh, and Vern was all over this yesterday, of course, but even Steve Stewart chiming in because, you know, Mike Matheny broke some news that we have tonight. Uh, everybody, Mike's got a quick so, too, so, yeah, tomorrow's starter will be uh, Jackson Coar. And in order to make room for Jackson, we'll be sending out uh, Jacob Junis to, to make room so Jake can uh, go to AAA and get uh, built back up. Jake Newberry was DFA'd today, by the way, by the Kansas City Royals. They'll clear waivers end up back in the organization, I would imagine. I would imagine so. But Jackson Core, and this is fun, because this is the fourth starting pitcher from the 2018 draft class. We haven't seen this before in baseball. Like, we've seen four pitchers from the same draft class. But it's been in a different role. Like maybe they used them as relievers or mid relief, something like that. But starting pitching wise, I mean, this is fun. You know what Boobich can do? You know what Singer can do? And I do think they had an advantage. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. If you buy into adrenaline, having fans in the stands, but they get to make debuts in front of cardboard. And they didn't have to wear anything like bad outing, or which not that they did. I mean, they were actually pretty good pitchers last year, but you didn't have that. You, you dealt that. Now the adrenaline will be going. For Jackson Coar tonight. The adrenaline was going clearly with Daniel Lynch. Tipping his pitchings, whatever he was doing, didn't work out. He went back to the minor league. So I think the organization has their fingers crossed for Jackson Coar tonight. Because the big deal was, do you want him to come up or not? Because Daniel Lynch, everybody screamed for. They wanted to see some Daniel Lynch. 23rd best prospect in baseball. We want to see some Daniel Lynch. He comes up here, and he got shelled. Now he's back in the minor. This happens. This stuff happens. Mike Trout once came up for the Angels, got bombed, or yeah, he did terrible. He's not a pitcher. He's a hitter. He goes down, comes back up, and the rest is history. It's happened before. But the bottom line is, you know, you want it to work out because you don't want to see a situation of Daniel Lynch. And Daniel Lynch got up here before the minor league season started. Jackson Coars started six games. He's five and zero. You know, point eight five ERA. I mean, the guy's killing it in Triple A. He's proven he can beat AAA. Now, is he somewhere between 4A and a Kansas City Royals, maybe third starter? Who knows? We'll find out tonight. But I think their fingers are crossed that this works out. Because, you know, you got to be cautious. That's why I was cautious. I was like, let him keep pitching in Omaha until the time is right. They felt the time is right, as you've heard them all say. The pitcher will, the player will tell you when they're ready. The player will tell you when they're ready to be in the major leagues. And clearly, Jackson Coar couldn't do anything else. In the minor leagues, the guy was ready. I just hope that fans don't come in with this mindset that this dude's gonna gonna come in and just automatically look like a major league starting pitcher. Well, I'm expecting a no hitter. I mean, I, I there's probably game. I, there's probably I'm some kidding. fans there's probably some fans that have convinced themselves that all oh, these we've been hearing so much about these kids uh, that got drafted in 2018 and they're going to convince themselves that these guys and we saw it a lot with the with the last group where you had young guys come up and they didn't immediately produce and all of a sudden you had fans like oh why the bleep isn't Hosmer hitting you know why isn't Moose hitting why isn't Salvi hitting and, and I hope that people are patient with these guys it's so hard to to just to move up from AAA to to the major leagues there is a, a major difference in the in the skill level there so I, I really hope that fans kind of temper their expectations with these guys uh you don't get a whole lot of phenoms very often uh, I think I was listening to um who was it uh the the guy that Cdot had on earlier the minor league guy JJ uh, Cooper. Uh, Cooper yeah and and he talked about Giolito and how Giolito struggled in 2018 yeah. 2019 he comes in and all of a sudden he 
one of the best pitchers in baseball. Well, Zach Greinke turned it around. Zach, I mean, Gre- Zach Greinke sucked when he first, first came first, up. His first couple starts were decent. His they first were. couple starts, but he sucked yeah. overall for for a couple years. Yeah, now really. he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and now he's great, and he's he's you know he won the Cy Young here, and he was he's one of the best pitchers we've seen in the last you know fifteen years or so. It's how do you handle failure? Yeah, you know Alex Gordon. How do you handle failure? You oh, he's down bad. the oh, he comes bad. back just fine. Yeah, you know yeah. it happens in baseball sometimes. Moose got to wake up, call the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Next year he hits over three hundred. Yeah, I mean Moose was Moose was really good his rookie year. He had like nineteen home runs, I think it was. And then his second year in the league, he was terrible, and he was terrible for like two years. And then he really didn't get good again until the twenty fourteen playoffs. And then after that, he was great for the team. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited about it, Chris, because I, I get excited anytime these guys are called up. You yeah. want to see him? And here's the thing with Corn Lynch. See, I was one of those guys. I'll admit it. I was one of those guys. That was, I was okay with them not trading Caden Hosmer. And I know there's a popular sentiment back in the day. You got to trade these guys. Got to get some. Well. They got picked 33 and 34 comp picks by not trading them. Those picks, Jackson Coar for Lorenzo Cain, Daniel Lynch for Eric Cosmer. So, so because I was that back then, keep them, let's get the comp picks. Therefore, I want to see them succeed. Well, you know, is a Royals fan. Are you trying to like philosophize this? Basically, yeah, because I called for this, right? I called for this. You did. Like, yeah. like this is for not trading Kane and Hosmer. Like Lynch and Coar need to work out, right? It's part yeah, of the they deal. have to work out. Not, not, if you would have traded them, maybe you wouldn't have got anything. I mean, look at what the Royals traded for Cueto and Zobrist. It's a pile of crap at this point, yeah, except for Shamanaya. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, and they got a ring. I mean, that yeah. just sometimes happens. You can't you can't forecast the future. I mean, I mean, those guys like Lynch and Coar have to work out because you let star players leave so you can get those picks. So you, they got to work out. Otherwise, it, those are bad picks. But I, I feel like this is one. Of, this isn't. A, I don't think this is quite as. I mean, obviously, it's big for fans to want to see these guys perform. But this isn't the end all be all. Like fans should look at this, and if he's not good, oh, he's just not a good player. And if he is good, that doesn't mean that he's gonna be a good player. Yeah, We can't take too much out of the one start. I mean, to be honest, we probably can't take too much out of how he plays the entire year if he stays up here. We should probably wait a year or two before we can start judging whether or not he is a major league player. Uh, there are a lot of players that we've seen come up, and they were either really good early on, and then they fell off or really bad early on, and they got better. Angel Barroa, prime example. Rookie of the year, his first year in the league, terrible after How about that. some Bob Hamlin? Yeah, like there's just a lot of examples of guys who early on in their careers were completely different than what they turned out to be. So it's can you handle failure? Exactly. It, can you handle failure or can you be successful early on and find a way to, to reinvent yourself when teams start figuring out what you do? The, I mean, we know these guys are good. Yeah. We know they're good. Yeah. Ja- in Jackson Core, Florida Gator. You're a Florida Gator guy. I actually, yeah, you already know. I just with that when I was with Cody today. SEC guys. Royals lead the AL Central in SEC guys. They're mm-hmm. all over the place. And Jackson Core adds another one. To the mix of already what is a plentiful roster of SEC guys. Hell, it works in the NFL doing Major League Baseball. Yeah. I have kid, but I am enjoying watching uh, college baseball. Watched a ton of it. Whit Merrifield, by the way, speaking of him, you can check out the full Whit Merrifield show on demand, 610sports.com. Check out the Odyssey app as well. Whit makes a comparison to Coar as he talks about Jackson Coar when he was on the show today. Yeah, he's got electric, electric stuff. He's got a mid to upper 90s fastball. And you know that changeup is, is is really what he's known for. It, it's almost almost works like a split finger. You know, there's a, there's almost there's a lot of Michael Waka type comparison, in my opinion, to Kowar and and Waka with the the life of their fastballs and that that changeup that just drops out of the zone. So looking forward to seeing what he can do and under the lights on on a big league stage. And you know everybody kind of reacts differently when they get to this level. So, you know, maybe hopefully he'll be one of those guys that gets up here and and just really takes off and uh, that starts tonight. So I'm excited to see him. This is Whit Merrifield compared to the Michael Walker. But see, Whit, Whit's seen a bunch of this. Like he's seen a bunch of the guys <laughs> Dude, that's come up. kind of unfair, man. <laughs> Michael Walker was Walker, great Walker. when he first yeah. debuted against the Royals and he shredded yeah. that, lo- that lineup for the Royals. I don't want to put the Michael Walker pressure on Coar tonight. That was that was Whit's comparison. It's also fun now that uh, Whit likes to play with Birdie Singer. I'll, I'll have some Whit Merrifield. Told in our Birdie Singer story today. Whit likes to give Birdie Singer a hard time. Well, here's Jackson Coar, who's probably... Former roommate of Brady Singer, he's probably got a bunch of stuff on Brady. However, however, if you're Brady Singer, you're like, Jackson, man, come on, I got some aces in the hole here, too. You tell that, I've got 15 things to say. So we'll see how this whole thing 
is played out with the former Florida Gator teammates. Denny Matthews was on with CDOT today, as he does each and every Monday at 3 o'clock. He said this about Jackson Coar making that first start. Well, I think especially for the first outing, and he has a veteran catcher who really knows how to handle things in Perez and just rely on him and keep it as simple as you can. Now, it's going to be an exciting moment. He's he's going to be bothered by butterflies a little bit. He knows that. He'll handle that. But uh, just rely on Perez, rely on the defense, and he knows what type of pitcher he is. And just because he's going from AAA to the big leagues doesn't mean he has to change. Just stay with what he's been doing, which has been successful, and that's why he's received the the chance to come up and, and compete on the big league level. So, yeah, keep it simple. Do what you can. Rely on Perez. Rely on your defense and have fun. We've heard about the wave. You've heard about the wave of 2018 pitching. You're getting the sample Jackson Gore now. You've seen mixed results with Brady Singer? I really like Chris Bubich, to be honest with you. I really like that kid. I like his attitude, like his mentality. I, I like the disposition of Brady Singer as well. And I think the, both those guys are going to be fine going forward. Daniel Lynch got to work on some things. He's tipping his pitch. Dude's got an electric arm. It's going to be fun to watch as well. And Jackson Coar, part of that group. Another guy I really wanted to see was Jonathan Boland, probably the next man up. Matter of fact, he probably would have been called up to AAA to take Jackson's spot. He was a double A. He was going to be on Team USA. Tommy John, another college pitcher top 10 Royals prospect out of Memphis uh, that we got to wait on that's part of this draft class. Jake Eisenberg uh, joined us today on Cody and Gold because he's the play-by-play voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers. He set him up close to personal. Matter of fact, he was traveling to St. Paul where the uh, Omaha Storm Chasers take on the St. Paul Saints. Guess, guess what they're all doing is, Chris? I don't know if you paid attention to minor league baseball. They're doing six-game sets, six-game series. So when you play a team, it's for six games. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you see the starter again. You see the relievers many times. But, yeah, six-game sets uh, as far as minor league baseball. Cuts down on the traveling. I guess kind of like the umpires. Like, they stay the whole series at home. Like, they don't try. Like, if Joe West comes in for one series, he stays the whole homestand. Like, you get Joe the entire time. But anyway, here's Jake Eisenberg on what he's seen this season from Jackson Coar. I mean, the numbers do speak for themselves, but when you watch him with your own eyes and you go beyond the box score, he does look as dominant, if not more dominant, than those numbers suggest. I mean, a .85 ERA, that's almost an unimaginable number, especially through six starts at the AAA level. His first six career starts at the AAA level, mind you. It's not like he's pitched at this level previously. This is the first time he's experienced this level of baseball, and he's gone out and dominated against the best competition he's ever faced in his life. So, yeah, I'd say the numbers speak for themselves, but it's certainly been really fun to watch in person. J.J. Cooper from Baseball American was on with uh, Carrington Harrison uh, earlier today. I'll have that later for you in the show. Talking about Jackson Core tonight. I'm excited. I always get excited about debuts. Always do. Always have. Except this team's over 500 past June. That's exciting as well. So you got that mixed in with the debuts. And this is what we got. We have a good baseball team on our hands, I think, for the future. And you're getting to see the debuts. And the big debut that you haven't seen yet is Bobby Witt Jr. Have some patience. I think that's the one that people are waiting on there. That's the one they're waiting <laughs> that's on. That's the one that I, and, 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 and I and, doubt they start him on the road. Yeah, I, you want that You want that guy to start here at the K. And it was funny because Cooper was talking about that earlier. He was thinking probably late July, early yeah. August is when is when Wick could get called up. I'm going to tell you this right now. If if it happens this year, which it looking, it's looking like it's, it might. He's doing really well in, in, uh, in AA right now. If it does happen this year, I mean, you th- you remember when Starling debuted a few years ago? You know, he made his he made his uh, debut in Major League. Like that was a big thing because of the the story behind him being a local kid. Wait, wait till Bobby Wood Jr. makes his debut. <laughs> Everybody with jerseys everywhere. Yeah. Oh, of course it is. Hey, here's something funny. You know, Bubba, he's played in yeah. six games because he came back from LASIK. Yeah, and all that. yeah, yeah. He's played in six games. Three of those games, he's got multiple home runs. Yeah, he's killing it right Three now. Three of them. He's killing it right well, now. That ball is jumping in double A AA and triple A. It is. You know, I don't know. It's kind of like baseball, the doctor baseball, the pitchers are using. We'll get into that yeah. at some point. But come yeah. up next, Julio Jones. I want to discuss this because I think he's in a great spot. And if I'm a, if, if I'm a Chiefs fan, which I am, watching Julio Jones, I wanted him NFC or a place like Tennessee. I'll explain next. Big at night. 
It's a couple weeks in the making, really. And on Saturday, action really did pick up. And I can tell you that John Robinson, the GM of the Tennessee Titans, was conducting business from a pontoon boat. That's where he was doing it. He was with his family. He was out on the lake, and he was doing all the business from there. And then it really picked up on Sunday morning. But the fact of the matter is they have done their due diligence on Julio Jones. They believe he could still play at 32 years old. Robinson and Vrabel, they reached out to Nick Saban just to get a better idea. You know, Nick Saban is obviously his college coach. So what kind of guy are we getting? Obviously, it was five stars all around. Everyone was super happy about the deal. Question is, who else was involved? Now, Ian mentioned the Rams. That was really early on in the process. They took their names out of contention a couple weeks ago. 49ers, maybe the, tight, maybe the Ravens, maybe the Patriots. There were a lot of rumors. Truth of the matter was, the Titans were the lead dog from go. And... Julio Jones and Arthur Smith had a conversation a while ago, like when Arthur Smith took the job, and they were straight up with each other, and I believe that Arthur Smith, in March, long before the draft, long before any of the Kyle Pitts talk, and long before Pitts was selected, knew that Julio Jones would most likely not be a part of the Atlanta Falcons rebuild with Arthur Smith at the helm. So Arthur Smith trades him to a team that he used to work for, but John Robinson, doing his business from the boat. From the boat, he gets the job done. What could have been Atlanta fans? He had no money. He had no money. Kelvin Ridley, Julio Jones, ooh, with the little Kyle Pitts. Oh, it would have been fun to see, Chris, but they can't stop anybody. It's not a good team. Julio ends up with the Tennessee Titans. Falcons get a 2022 second rounder in a 2023 fourth rounder. Really, that second rounder sealed the deal because it's a solid one. Some are saying three could go to a two because that's contingent. On play, the Falcons are like, no, you get a two. You get a two. This is what we do. We want a two. We want a two, Tennessee. None of this floating contingencies. Give us the damn two, and we're good to go. Plus, we'll send you a six-rounder in 2023 and take this cap off your hands so you can actually sign your draft picks. The cap is the cap, but the cap this year with a, uh, a lowering of the salary cap to 182 last year, it kind of means what it is. <laughs> like, it's going up next year, but the salary cap for all intents and purposes is what it is this year. And there's really no massaging around the salary cap. I, for one, am happy about this deal, Chris. Not happy. I'm just, I'm, I want to see him succeed, go somewhere. Tennessee, that's fine. I have no problem with Tennessee getting Julio Jones. Is the end all be all answer for them? I'd, ra- I'd rather have seen him in the NFC, sure. But the AFC. Like, I'm not one of these people talking about it. As the media is doing, oh, look at the Titans. You know, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. Look at his numbers compared to Mahomes. Big difference. First of all, you have to look at addition and subtraction. The addition is Julio Jones, who is aging, who does get hurt from time to time, especially with foot issues. Now, subtractions. Corey Davis to the Jets. Jonu Smith. A top 13 tight end in the NFL, definitely top half tight end. He goes to New England Patriots. What does that amount to? 106 catches, 1,432 yards, and 13 touchdowns subtracted. So you had Julio Jones. He could easily hit 106 catches, 1,432 yards. That's not a problem there. But where did you get better? Where did you get better? Because you still subtracted a tight end to add Julio Jones, and Ryan Tannehill goes how Derrick Henry goes. Matter of fact, three times Ryan Tannehill was over 300 yards last year. His second best performance of the season was against Houston, 366. Oh, Derrick Henry had to run for 212 yards that game as well. So I get it, man. Julio Jones makes your team better. But really, is the addition better than the subtraction? Or does that kind of equal what you have, minus the fact you don't have a tight end now? This is kind of like um, this is like a really good Madden trade. Like it, it works because like Julio, from a rating standpoint, a skill standpoint, we know he's a really good player. So you add him to a team that can use another wide receiver, especially when they lost Corey Davis, they lost John New Smith. Uh, it, it looks good on paper, but not every time that you see a team add a really good player does that player fit with that team. 
And we saw this with the Oakland Raiders when Randy Moss got traded from Minnesota there. And really talented player. He was absolutely terrible in Oakland. Really didn't care about playing there. Really didn't try playing there. And he looked like he was a wash until he got traded to New England for like a fourth round pick. And then all of a sudden became the best receiver in the NFL again. So uh, to me, Julio at his age at 32, you very rarely see receivers play really well, well into their thirties. We obviously seen some examples more recently, Larry Fitzgerald, but we've also seen like Tim Brown, Jerry Rice. Um, We've seen Terrell Owens play well late into his thirties, but it's generally not that common that it happens, especially if the player starts getting hurt often. Now, He's had some issues in previous seasons, but really last year was like the first year we've seen in a long time where he was like hurt for most of the year. Well, food issues and have really kept taken him out. a toll on him. Exactly. And he only played nine games last year. Uh, the thing, though, is like generally once you start getting hurt, you don't get healthier as you get into your 30s. No. Once you start getting hurt in your 30s, that's just who you are. You know, it's like, you know, people trying to say LeBron James, oh, well, he had an ankle injury. That's why he wasn't great against the Suns. No, 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 no. He's 36. He'll be 37 later this year. He's going to get hurt a lot now in his career because he's been hurt seriously in the last two seasons and missed like a quarter of the season both times. This is just who he is now. So I understand a lot of people are trying to convince themselves that this is the same Julio we watched a few years ago, but this isn't the same guy now anymore. It was mostly hamstring. Yeah. Uh, Great two last year that he had. But again, it's a concern. But my thing this too is, Chris, you drop your second and third leading receivers. You drop your second and third leading yardage receivers. You dropped your second and third leading touchdown. And keep in mind, they couldn't stop anybody last year. Fourth and point or yards allowed in defense. Yeah, Bud Dupree comes there, but Bud Dupree can't save this defense alone. Can't, nice addition, great addition, nice job there. But again, Derrick Henry's now had two straight years over 300 carries. He had 303, then he jumped up to 378. You just can't keep going with Derrick Henry every single game because you know what happens. You get to the title game, you face the Chiefs who shut him down, and then all of a sudden you force it on Ryan Tannehill to get the job done, and he doesn't. And what happens if Derrick Henry gets hurt? Because he's got so much wear and tear on him now. That's Because he's been one. getting tons of carries now. And Julio Jones. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, like, Julio is the is the number one guy. If we're putting bets on who's going to get hurt first, we're going to put it on Julio. But what happens if Derrick Henry suffers some sort of, let's say he pulls a muscle. Let's say he pulls a hamstring. You know, those pulled hammies, they could be really, really bad on running backs there. And, and, or if he gets a high ankle sprain. You know, high ankle sprains generally like two to four weeks. What happens if they they he gets he sustains one of those injuries that Jeremy lingers? Jeremy McNichols happens. That's what I'm saying. I was like, a guy I've never heard of. That's your answer right there if Derrick Henry gets hurt. And all of a sudden now you have to be a passing team and your quarterback is Ryan freaking Tannehill. Yeah, I'm I'm not buying that this offense is all of a sudden just fixed because they went out big and got Big arm Julio. quarterback. He needs a big arm quarterback because he's going to get that separation. Yeah, and he doesn't have a big arm quarterback. See, I'm okay with this. Like, do I think that Julio would have been a, a nice ancillary piece for Cleveland or even Baltimore? What if Baltimore would have added him? They've added Rashad Bateman. They added Tylen Wallace. They added Sammy Watkins, which flip a coin if he's going to be healthy or not. Yeah, but still, exactly. Yeah. A healthy Sammy Watkins is very serviceable. Yeah. And then the rookies, Bateman and Tylen Wallace, added to it. That would have made some sense. And then you're like, oh, okay. But it's the Titans. Because the Titans really didn't do much but go backwards in this offseason. The only team I think I would have been worried about in the AFC if he would have gone to was Buffalo. Like Buffalo, like you add because we already Him know Diggs. Stephon Diggs is the reason why Josh Allen is looked at as being as good as he is. It's Stephon Diggs. He's the only reason why. Because before before Stephon Diggs, uh, Josh Allen was just a running quarterback that could kind of throw the football. Just really strong arm, but he he was he was mainly a running quarterback. Now he's looked at as probably the second best quarterback in the AFC for a lot, a lot of people now. Like it's because of Stephon Diggs. You add Julio to that, and if Julio stays healthy, it's just a big if. But if he stays healthy, all of a sudden now people start saying that the Bills are, can really keep up with the Chiefs. You look at you look at the Titans. You're like, oh, the Titans might be good on offense this year. They might be serve you know not serviceable, but like pretty good on offense. But anyone who's trying to go out there and say like like Pro Football Focus is this the best trio of weapons in the NFL? Get the hell out of here. They're, yeah, they're yeah. not anywhere near yeah. it. Now Buffalo did lose John Brown, which was their vertical threat. Yeah, that hurt. He was hurt sometimes, but John Brown was that vertical. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But they didn't bring in Marcus Stevenson in the draft. Again, you're going to be asking the rookie. He, he can flat fly, but they didn't draft him until the sixth round. So again, it's you know, flip a coin whether Marcus Stevenson can really help you or not. But I do find it interesting that people all said, well, t- t- tell me what they did on defense. Well, let's talk about the defense. <laughs> Bud Dupree, is that the answer? No. No. But again, what, like, to me, there's third tier right now. Titans. Julio Jones did not bump them to the second tier. No. D- didn't bump at all. I think they got better, but like it's like a marginally they better. Got, well, did they get better? I mean, that's it was the, like, it, to me, I'm thinking, would you rather have Corey Davis and Johnny Smith or Julio Jones? I mean that's that's a tough question. I mean just upside you go Julio, but like I think floor you probably go Corey and Janu. Yeah, like if you're playing a safe Corey and Janu because they don't have the injury issues that Julio does recently. So I, I think you would go there plus longevity. Like what happens if Julio hits a wall this year? Because he's thirty, he's thirty two. Unless you want to take off pressure from AJ, you know. I mean AJ seems like he's all right. I mean he doesn't really seem like he's young. What is he? This is going to be his third season in the league. So like it doesn't. He the doesn't, tight end you're going to Anthony Ferkser. Yeah, Jeff Ferkser. Yeah, Jeff nine catches last year. Yeah, Ferkser is your answer right now at your tight end because you let John Smith go to New England. Yeah, that that's your answer right now. Like I said, and I I understand a lot of like the the Patriots didn't want to part with too much. The you know the fifteen million dollars you got to pay Julio this year. I I, like I didn't. I never bought that the Chiefs were a real contender to get him because of his salary and because of the amount you'd have to give up is just not worth it for a thirty two year old receiver that played half the season last year. So I, I I was okay with them with the Chiefs not making this move and a lot of other teams not doing it. Well, but it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the Titans like to try. They're like $7.8 million under the cap, the Chiefs. Yeah. They had to clear some stuff to bring in Julio this that's year. A, that's yeah, what they exactly, did. exactly, yeah. And they're not willing to do that. And plus, next year they can roll that over when the salary cap jumps. Yeah. Coming up next, though, Jake Eisenberg was the play-by-play guy. Well, he still is. Play-by-play guy for the Omaha Storm Chasers. You heard what he said about Jackson Coar. He also had some things to say about some other players you might be interested in Omaha. We'll do that next. Bing at night. Welcome back to Big at Night. Jay Binkley, Chris Unocero taking you right up to 730. Hand off the ver- Ferns off the stove. Royals Angels tonight. Jackson Coarte versus Dylan Bundy. So a little uh, late night Jackson Coar action making his debut for the Kansas City Royals. Talked earlier today to Jake Eisenberg when I was in with uh, Cody Tapp on Cody and Gold, and you heard his thoughts on Jackson Coar. What else can the guy do? There's nothing he could do. I also asked Jake about Coar's disposition, like talking to him. J- Jackson Coar has gone six innings once. He's been five inning pitcher. He's dominated at that level. What's his disposition like? What bothers the guy? Is there anything at all that bothers Jackson Coar? Here's Jake Eisenberg, who's been there for all of his starts. It seems like he's really in tune with what he wants to do. Everything has intent, whether it's fastball location or putting a changeup in, in the right spot or knowing when to use his curveball to start off in a bat or to finish off in a bat. There's intent behind every pitch. And it doesn't seem like it, you know there is an error here or there with those things, but it really fazed him. It certainly didn't phase him in his last start against the Iowa Cubs. The first three hitters he faced combined for three all-star appearances. <laughs> Strange Gordon and then Jake Marisnik and Jason Hayward, who were both on Major League Rehab assignments. And he allowed a double to Jake Marisnik. That was the only hit he allowed the entire start. And then he struck out back-to-back batters. One of them was Jason Hayward, and he got him with the changeup and honestly like made Jason Hayward look like a triple-A hitter, not like the all-star hitter that we know that he is. That changeup is that good, and I expect it to be that good at the big league level, too. It's the best I've ever seen. By the way, the Royals lineup tonight, Whit Merrifield leads off at second base, Carlos Santana at first, Ben Attendee in left field, bats third, Salvador Perez catching the night for Jackson Coar, uh, batting fourth, Kelvin Gutierrez, Jorge Soler, Michael A. Taylor, 
Hunter Dozier, Nikki Lopez round things out. Now, I got an interesting discussion today with Cody Tapp. We were talking about Salvador Perez. We were kind of comparing him to Yachty. And during Yachty's great years, all the protection lineup from Beltron or Matt Carpenter, you name it. Look at Salvador Perez's protection. You know, he's been protected by Kelvin Gutierrez lately. Okay? That's and he's still putting up numbers. That's to be commended. Uh, for Salvador Perez. Anyway, Jake Eisenberg, the play-by-play announcer for the Omaha Storm Chasers, who have the day off, who take on the St. Paul Saints for six, coming up tomorrow. Here's his thoughts on Daniel Lynch. He didn't get to see Daniel Lynch at the beginning because he got called up to Kansas City, but he's seen Daniel Lynch since. And by the way, Daniel Lynch's last outing, he w- he was just fine. What about tipping the pitches? What has he been working on in Omaha? And I think that that first outing is, is a little bit interesting to look at for one thing. You know, you've got a guy who's gone, who was on the preliminary roster for the Omaha Storm Chasers, and then, you know, just a couple of days before the season's going to start here, he gets his call up for the big league debut. So he's getting settled in Omaha, then he's over in Kansas City. He's got three starts there. He's getting settled in KC, and then he's coming back to Omaha, and he's got to do the, the whole thing over again. And then the team goes on the road. So that's a lot of moving around for a guy in, you know, a very short period of time while he's also trying to work on things. Not to mention that that first appearance for Daniel Lynch against the Iowa Cubs, it was actually a relief appearance because Jesse Hahn made a rehab appearance to start the game. So yeah. Daniel Lynch came in relief, his first career relief appearance. He still struck out seven there, and I think Daniel Lynch has been sharp. One thing that we've seen is that he's now pitching exclusively from the stretch, uh, so there's no windup, and that simplifies some of the mechanics. Uh, and I've, I've heard that some of the conversations surrounding the pitch tipping had to do with where his glove was coming away from his body a little bit, or he was showing the baseball out of the mitt a little bit early, and that seems to be fixed, you know, pitching exclusively from the stretch. You know, I don't think that the line scores, if you look at Daniel Lynch's game logs, really show you exactly how well he's pitching. There have really been a couple of bleeding singles here and there, and, you know, if those pile up, then, yeah, some runs are going to score. But overall, the strikeout stuff is there, and it seems like, you know, the command is refined, and he's going to be on his way back to KC sooner rather than later. It's good to hear on Lynch. It's been really excited when he got here, Chris. And that was kind of like, okay, he's gone now. You know, they, they, all that excitement's gone. Like, you don't want this to happen to Kaur. Because trust me, there's there's big reason to still be excited when Lynch comes back for the Kansas City Royals. A lot of excitement. Yeah, and I, I hope a lot of Royals, because I, I mean, certainly after his two starts, some Royals fans kind of talk themselves out of the hype you and know, whatnot. You, you can tip your pitches all you want, the alternate side. Let, not all the guys are probably going to say something. Big league pitchers are going to, or hitters are going to pick up on it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if you're doing something as as uh, as bad as that, where you're basically get letting them know exactly what you're throwing, uh, that's certainly not something that that major league hitters are going to let slide. So I, I hope that Lynch gets to a point where he can throw from the windup because, you know, if you just throw from the stretch like that, like it's, it's much hard to be uh, as consistent as you could be. So hopefully he can get past that, but I don't, I hope no one uses that, uses that against him. Well, coming up next, Chris, there's something here that's worth debating because it's, it's making its way online. A lot of people not happy about this. Bill James, who's kind of seen as the architect of sabermetrics, right? Bill James. Yeah. He's the analytical guy. He was on with uh, Brian Kenny. MLB Network, and they have a unusual thought for hitters once they get to the base pass. And would hitters be willing to wear all that body armor when it comes back to it? Let you listen to it and get your opinion. You know my opinion on guys like Williams Ostadio throwing 43? Yeah. Didn't like. Yeah. Yes, I know text line. He could throw in the 70s. He just chose not to. Yeah. Anyway, Bill James next. Baby at night. Welcome back to Big Night, Jay Binkley, Chris and Ocero. Chris, you know, I've heard theories from, you know, the great John Madden talking about, you know, players leading with their helmets. Just kind of, I don't know how serious they were in just, people have suggested this. I don't know how serious they are, but go away from helmets, right? That way you would not lead with your head. If you get your face smashed in, you're not going to do it, right? It's not going to happen, but that's one of those silly notions that were out there, right? Yeah. To, to crack down on, you know, leading with your with your head. Take away the helmet and see what happens. Well, Bill James was on with Brian Kenny today, and they talked about hitters. The strikeouts or home runs is what we're seeing. Either strikeouts or home runs. There's a lot more that goes into it, including pitchers using every type of substance they can now in Major League Baseball. But this was the theories on hitters, and we've all seen it. The guys with the body armor that lead into play. Now, it, it does get frustrating if they walk that way. 
you know, bases loaded or something, you lean into it because you're leaning into it. You're playing. Like, you can't lean into the pitch. Like, first of all, if it's a strike, you're out anyway. So you can't lean into it. And who cares if you get hit? If it's a strike, call it that way. We've all seen the, the hitters do this. Here was their theory. It's It has to do with protective equipment. And I'm not in any way in favor of, of batters being injured or risking their health in any way. But uh, the uh, baseball was played for 100 years with uh, without batting helmets. We have now not only batting helmets, but better batting helmets than we had. We have elbow guards and chin guards and Matters have an array of protective equipment now that they didn't have uh, a, a, even a generation ago. Better, better batting them. The, um, the protective equipment makes them bold enough to lean into a pitch in a way that just was not done and could not be done 30 years ago because it's too dangerous. Right. I, I love that. the last part then. I'll get to the last part. Uh, this they could do right away. Whatever equipment the batter is wearing... He's got to wear it around the bases. No. You got a shin guard, right. keep it on. You got elbow. Hey, run around the bases with that. <laughs> I love that. No. Where, where did that come into your, your mind? Or do uh, you think that would actually get through in Major League Baseball? Uh, well, I don't know whether they would or not. The, the, uh, but, you know, I stole that idea from somebody, and I can't remember who. <laughs> one, one of my readers suggested that, and I should have made a note of who it was. But then I thought about it and thought it was good. Got who it was. So wherever you are, I'm sorry, I can't give you credit. Come on, Bill, you got to know who it was. First of all, shin guards are protective equipment on your feet. <laughs> that doesn't affect you stepping into a pitch. Yeah, no one's putting their foot out to get no. hit by a pitch. When's the last time you you saw a hitter put their foot out to get hit? Oh, uh, never. Now, occasionally, it has I, happened. Like if it's on the ground or something, they'll maybe sneak it away because that's a cheap way. To get on yeah, base. but a lot of times they aren't even going to give that to them if if they clearly it clearly looks like they stepped into it like that. Usually they lean in, if, and and if they lean in, it's because it's clearly off the zone, anyways. Well, here's the thing. First of all, the batting average is down across Major League Baseball. Never been this low. The pitchers are dominating. So, you want to take away home runs? <laughs> that's what's bringing people to the ballpark. That that's what's bringing them to the park. First of all, second of all. Do you really want to see the hitter go to first base with all that equipment on? Now, if you have an argument, which I didn't hear, and say, well, it's taking too much time for the hitter to take all that stuff off and put it at home plate, bad boy comes out and gets it, or handing stuff off to the first base coach when you get there. But that wasn't mentioned. Like, the mention of speeding the game up wasn't there, which still I would disagree with because these guys are throwing 100. They, hell, they're throwing 100 mile an hour cutters now. Right? You're going to get hit by a pitch 100 miles an hour. Yeah, you probably want some body protection on. Can you blame them? Like, can you blame these hitters? Now, the ones that stick their their arms in, that's crap. I mean, that's BS. When you're doing that and you're leaning into pitches like that to get on base, that drives me insane. But that is few and far between when that happens. This is like, this is basically trying to solve a problem that doesn't really exist. Like certainly you see some people like you know lean in and get hit. It's so rare. It does. It's not like this happens every game. It happens like every like maybe once a week or it so. It needs to be a judgment call by home plate. As I'm saying, you lean into that. You lean into that. You like yeah. stop the guys leaning in. Don't take their equipment. I just away don't from think them. that leaning in is like that big of a problem. Like it's like I mean obviously you you watch the NBA. Your Hawks right now are are currently in the playoffs. Yeah. They, uh, they they got that win over the Sixers yesterday. Um, they it was it's one of those situations where like you know you watch like Chris Paul and I I'm I'm a Suns fan so I I like him doing this now but whenever he's got a defender on him up close and he like jumps up into the player and throws a shot up when he's behind the three point line and he always gets a three point he always gets three foul shots off of it even though he clearly jumped into the player they still call it and a lot of times they don't but they still call it every now and then and it works and you hate it but it doesn't happen often enough to where it's like it's becoming a, a major problem in the sport it's something like that i don't think it's ruining baseball that guys are leaning into pitches every now and then now here's the thing yeah, it sucks when it works against your team yeah. i just don't think it's a big enough problem to where you need to come up with some stupid solution to try to fix it here's the thing though do you really want to see a slugger that's a 30 to 50 home run guy do you want to see him get pegged in the arm or the elbow and be out for months. Do you really want to see that? No. Because you want to see that guy play. No. You don't want to see guys, you know, get plunked and then out of the lineup and then gone. Like imagine if it's your own players on your own team and they get plunked. 
they're doing nothing. They're just, you know, getting to the plate because yeah. they're they on the plate just as much as the pitcher does, and they get hit. Well, then they're out. Then you broke their arm. Because trust me, these fastballs can't break arms. Yeah. And then if they don't have the plate on, they're out. I mean, yeah. Is this what we want to see? No. And no. not only that, but uh, you don't see a whole lot of the big sluggers lean into pitches like that. Those guys, no, they want to hit. No, they're wearing armor. Yeah, not only that, but they want to hit the ball. They're not trying to get walked. They want to get a chance to knock the ball at the park. So it, it, it to me, it just there's not there's not a whole lot of incentive. Usually the guys who have incentive to do it are the guys that suck at the plate anyways. So if they can get on base, they can get on base. But it's just not a whole lot of – it's not a big enough problem to try to solve. Yeah, what they're trying to say is – well, you're not going to wear the body armor if you hit the word around the bases. Yeah. Well, first, what, what if they do? And then you want to slow the game down? No. Yeah. But do you want to see a guy get hurt? No. For, there's something that could have been avoided just by pounding the plate. Exactly. Off the off the off the uh, elbow, instead of the player star of the game being out for two or three months. Yeah. Just pitch better. Just back in the lineup. Just pitch better. Yeah. They're doing that. I don't know if you read the SI piece about the uh, all the concoctions pitchers are using now for spin rate. No. Like, it's basically the equivalent of steroids that they're using on the baseball. Oh, really? Oh, man. <laughs> Big time drip. Suntan lotion, rosin, you name it, coming off that baseball. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, what was it? I, I can't remember. Somebody complained about that this weekend I saw that was complaining about the usage of foreign substances, and they think it's that there should be. It's running rampant Major League oh, Baseball. I mean, it's, I mean, it's ran rampant the entire history of baseball. I mean, you know, the, a lot of guys have talked about, like, I mean, Whitey Ford talked about how they used to throw spitballs in the 50s. Well, like, this is, this is a problem that's existed for pretty much the entire history of baseball. Speaking of that, we discussed that with Whit Merrifield today. Just that issue. When we was on the Whit Merrifield show with Cody and Gold, that plus Teddy Matthews next. Baby at night. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Welcome back to Bink at Night, Jay Binkley. Chris Uno Sarah leading you right into 730. Josh Fernier. Vern's on deck show. A little bit later start. It's West Coast stuff. Means Vern's up late. Vern at night. Also Uno Cero at night. Because he's right here. Right here in studio. Where does Vegas Nights at? I believe that's what that is. Yeah, it is. You get that. You get your Phoenix Suns. Life's good for you, Uno Cero. Oh, I don't really care about hockey. I just like the hat. No, I thought you are Vegas Night no, guys. No, I'm not. I just Big like the win hat. yesterday for him, even in series. I've never watched a game. <laughs> I don't watch hockey. We get the right hat on. I mean, yeah, they're, they've won since they since yeah. they've uh, since they've come into the NHL. But I don't watch hockey. Okay, I thought you were a Vegas Golden Knight. Guy. I would get it. I would get a I jersey. You jumped jersey in right in the cool. beginning. Right in no. the beginning, says my team. No. My lifelong fake because you could have said that. I've tried. You I mean, I've, said I've tried. To, I try. I've tried for years to watch hockey. I can. See, I love it. I love I, watching. I just can't. I mean, I. I think. I think I've watched one full game in like the last twenty years. Man, it, it makes was a like, difference if you go. Like, start going. I've, go I've go, go to, to the, a Mavericks I've game. I've gone to the Mavericks before. It's hard to keep track of well, the puck. I, well, go to an <laughs> NHL game and you'll see some serious. <laughs> seriously, think of Mavericks and then just think of faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Faster passing, yeah, more accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the NHL is insane. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we get an exhibition here, you know, I'll go check oh, it out. Oh, it's fun to watch. It is. It is. Next time we get one, I'll make sure we go. Yeah. We watch a lot of college baseball, too. I don't know if you watch it. You want to talk about excitement in the game? Like, they're doing the regionals now. They're getting ready. The teams are qualifying for super regionals. Arkansas is down 2 nothing to Nebraska at a home game, right? Dayton Moore's kid plays for Arkansas. The Andrew Penn attendees, former Arkansas Razorback. Here's some attention. It's fun to watch uh, the college playoffs. Uh Speaking of pitchers, we're talking about the good. Go, go read that article tonight. You'll be here for a while uh, with the Royals. It's, it's really interesting. Some hitters that talk about it now. I mean, we're talking about these baseballs going to the opposing dugout. We're like sticks on your hand. <laughs> it's like, that's the, we're talking about like the, the insignia coming off, laces coming yeah. off. I mean, hitters are okay with a little bit of pine tar, like Michael Pineda. Pine tar Pineda, right? When he was with the Yankees. With the that was down. so funny. He got caught because it was like right on his neck. Oh, it was. It was, it was like, right dude, there. you gotta do better. You gotta have a better spot. That's why, like, you see these pitchers grow their hair out so they can put it in their hair. But a lot of a lot of hitters are okay with it because that was just, that was as simple as pine tar. Now this, yeah. is, this is a lot more sophisticated than pine tar. Yeah, it is. But that yeah. was helping getting a grip on the baseball. Which with the new baseballs, you kind of wish they had it. Like if you're a hitter, 
but not the suntan lotion, the rosin, because they're finding creative ways to hide this stuff and Vaseline all over themselves. Not only that, but it could be a position player. When you're going around the horn, yeah, something could be touched with the baseball at that point. Major League Baseball is going to crack down on it. It's becoming basically the steroids of hitters with the uh, with the doctoring of baseballs for pitching. they got to do something about it. Instead of worrying about the equipment you're wearing, <laughs> don't play. They've got to worry about the pitchers dominating baseball. Here's Witt's thought on just that. Yeah, if you, I don't know if you guys noticed the stuff you know, the last couple of years, but stuff, yeah. balls are doing some pretty incredible things <laughs> when pitchers throw them. And, um, you know, I just always, guys developing, guys having throwing programs and, and, and uh, you know, just the evolution of baseball. Guys are learning how to do certain things better, and they're getting bigger and stronger. And so I, I think there's a, I don't know, there might, there's probably a little bit of both. You know, guys are are developing more, uh, throwing more, getting stronger arms, learning how to how to build their arm strength. But you know, apparently, some guys are getting a little extra help. Stuff's getting nasty. Stuff's getting nasty. But I don't think I'm gonna credit all that to to the pine tar. And I definitely can't notice as a hitter when a guy is using pine tar and when he's not. Yeah, the ball's moving around like a wiffle ball at home plate. Like the ball spin rate has a ton of movement on it. It's it's becoming an issue. And some of the hitters are talking about it. I mean, name guys like Charlie Blackman. Guys like that are talking about it in the article. These hitters are pissed. I mean, they're okay with the little pine tar being used here and there because it gives you more control. But the more movement on it is kind of putting the hitters at it. You've seen it. I mean, you've seen it on Twitter, some of these pitches and – Pitchers get credit, but the ball's got this late, like real late movement or hundred mile an hour cutters, right? The sinkers got unbelievable speed and spin rate on pitches. They're moving around like wiffle balls, and well, it could be doctored or not, but they're going to get to the bottom of it. Major League Baseball just needs to juice the balls again. Like you know, supposedly this year they well, they're de- hopping in the minor leagues. Yeah, as I'm saying, this year they supposedly dejuice the balls. They just go back to what you did the last few years, even yeah. it out. If I've seen got way these, too many die at the warning tree. That's what I'm saying. It's like if you've got all these pitchers out here who are using foreign substances in order to in order to take just a little bit of 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 power off of hits when the ball comes off the bat, then just juice those balls again. Like you got to do something. And on top of that, it's more entertaining for us as fans when you have the juice balls anyway. It's fun when you got Jorge Soler hitting over 40 home runs. That's fun for me. That's fun for a lot of people here. It's great for the game when you got guys doing that stuff. I know that some people might look at the record books and look at past home run performances and be like, oh, maybe those were more legitimate because you didn't have juice balls. But there was always some form of cheating anyways in the game. Now baseball is just like, hey, instead of guys taking steroids, let's juice the ball so they can hit home runs anyways. Why not just do that? Yeah, or bang trash can so you know what you get. Just just let guys just juice the balls and let guys go out there and have a home run derby during a game. We'll, we'll all have fun. One of the fun things of what Merrifield show is he's only got a Brady Singer story, right? He's always got yeah. like a Brady Singer story. Yeah, him and him and Brady Singer seem like their best buds. Oh yeah. They like to tease him a lot and when it rains, he'll throw it on Twitter or something. Brady because uh, Brady Singer hates the rain. We know that. Here's another uh Brady Singer story from Whit Merrifield today. Yeah. Oh, I got another one for you. So we're in Tampa and we're sitting in the kitchen, and it's me and Brady sitting at the table, and Irv, Irvin Santana, and Salvi are sitting at the other table, and Irv is eating an orange, and um, Brady's sitting beside me, and Brady looks over at Irv and goes, "What? What is that he's eating? Is that a mango?" <laughs> and I went, "I went, Brady, you're from Florida. Have you never seen an orange before?" Well, I just thought it was a particular type of mango. Always keeping him loose. Now he's got Jackson Coar up there as well. So will Brady Singer get it all from him? Maybe Jackson Coar gets it a little bit as well. Denny Matthews, as I mentioned, was on with the drive today. And we talked about the Jackson Coar debut. He also talked about Monsey, Alberto Monsey. Just his thoughts of what's going on. Of course, Adalberto Mondesi put back on the DL. The Royals kind of took one for the team because they didn't put him immediately on the IL. They gave him every chance to come back, working him out before games. And in the process, they sacrificed the place on the bench by not having him on the IL. Here's Diddy Matthews on really just the talent of Mondesi. The talent really, un- it's not unleashed yet at this point because he keeps going on the IL. And he can impact a game in so many ways. But... 
you're right. It's just the ability to stay on the field, and you really can't affect the outcome of a game sitting in the dugout and being a cheerleader. But hamstrings are really tricky, and I have experienced hamstrings from a hamstring tear on down. There's pulls, there's tears, there's tweaks, and his is a tweak. But once you have tweaked a hamstring or pulled it or strained it, it's so easy to redo. And if you really try to play before the thing is 100%, then you can you can hurt it even worse. Instead of being out for two weeks, you're out for two months. Those things are really really nasty. It's a big big muscle, and uh, it's just uh, it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling. You know immediately when you've done it. And I heard a trainer say one time, "Okay, you're a hundred percent. Your hamstring is completely completely healed. How do you feel?" And you say, "It's completely healed." And the trainer will look in the eye and say, "Okay." give it five more days and so that's that's how tricky they are and it's a it's a tough muscle to get a hundred percent and when you've got it a hundred percent you better give it a few more days but uh, yeah it's so frustrating for him it's frustrating for Matheny it's frustrating for everybody involved that is it's frustrating for Bondi you can see the frustration I mean he's having a great game you know home run made a great defensive play and then all of a sudden hurt his hamstring and it's first. It's got to be frustrating for Matheny too. It's a superstar. He's got if he can unleash the talent. Carrington made a great comparison when he was on with Denny about Lorenzo Cain when the Royals first got him. As far as staying healthy, turning the corner, Lorenzo Cain was able to do it. Here's Denny comparing Lorenzo Cain with Alberto Montesi early in the career with the uh, with the injuries. What Lorenzo Cain did was he changed his pregame approach, how he stretched, how he did different things. And he also learned his body uh, when he had to sit down and, and give it a day or two of rest. And so that's what Mondesi is going to have to do. He's still a young guy. He's still learning his body. He's still learning what he should do, maybe what he shouldn't do. And it's all a part of the process, and you got to work with the trainers very carefully, and, and they'll guide you along. But uh, he's, he does have to change. I don't know what it would be. I'm not that close to it, but... Uh, He's got to change his pregame. He's got to change, who knows, maybe even his his routine, his diet. But it all goes into what you're putting into your body, how you're taking care of your body, and how you're preparing for a game. And, boy, that's so important. Well, we know Jackson Coar's uh, start tonight. He won't be facing Trout. Trout's on the I.L. Albert Pujols is now a Dodger. But Shohei Otani batting second tonight for the Angels. What does Denny think about Shohei Otani? Yeah, watching him hit is a real treat. He hits the ball as hard as anybody I've seen in a long time. I haven't really seen much of him pitching, but uh, by all accounts, he's pretty adept on the mound. And uh, a lot of people say, well, Babe Ruth did the same thing he did. Babe gave up pitching and and hit a few home runs in his career. But, uh, yeah, Otani is a unique talent, and he's a big guy. And he has good speed. He has great coordination. He has great high-end coordination because he is so adept at, at When he's at the plate, I was watching him when the Angels were here in Kansas City, and he identifies pitches, breaking pitches, whatever they're throwing, wherever they're throwing it. He identifies it very quickly. And boy, does he put a great swing on a pitch. He's fun to watch. Angels are a team that struggled this year. Certainly they've dealt with injuries as well. But it's one thing seeing Jackson Kowar face Cubs that are in a rehab assignment with the Iowa Cubs. And tonight, I'm looking forward to Jackson Kowar versus Otani. I mean, I'm looking forward to that matchup. It's a big difference. You know, when you're on that mound and you're looking down at Shohei Otani, then another AAA player that you're facing, even if it is a Jason Hayward, somebody making a rehab ass- uh, assignment with the Iowa Cubs. It's a big difference. It's kind of like welcome to the show. Now, Mike Trout's not there to welcome him. But Shoei Otani is right behind Upton. I'm actually looking forward to this game tonight with Jackson Coar. I like all the debuts. I like when the guys come up, and I'm really pulling for Jackson Coar tonight. Again, you can kind of validate the pick 33 and 34. Lynch and Coar think Lynch is going to come around. But you didn't trade Kane and Hosmer. This is what you got instead, which I think is good because I think the future is bright with Lynch and Coar. Now, how good could Coar be? I don't know. J.J. Cooper who's the editor of Baseball America, joined CDOT. He gives an estimation 
about how good Jackson Coar can be and an assessment on Daniel Lynch as far as being sent down, coming back up, makes an interesting comparison for him. we do that next. Bing at night. Some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, is, it's uh, like like he said the other day, talking to Brad, he asked Brad what half a nine innings was. Brad said, just do the math. It'd be the bottom of the, or the, <laughs> yeah, the bottom of the fifth inning. It'd be four and a half innings played. And Brady goes, sometimes I just hate when I think out loud. And it's, it's true. I mean, the things that go through that kid's head, are, they're, they're special. Your exclusive home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Big and IJ Bakley, Chris Odocero, Josh Vernier, 7.30. Talking Jack's Accord's debut. It's Vernon's uh, on deck show. Man, math's tough sometimes when, you, when you're just on the fly. Like, I asked Witt what it was like being the first time in 30 years that a guy gets two hits in an inning, one a home run, and having a stolen base. Ricky Anderson, 1980. That's 40 years ago, Chris. It's uh, 41 years ago. But I said 30. Because sometimes on the fly, that's, I mean, you're asking a question, trying to do math. Same time, it's, it's tough sometimes. It's tough realizing how much how much time has passed since a great incident that I mean, happened. I think 1980. You're not thinking 40 years ago, man. Yeah, you Yeah, like when I think about like the you know NBA back in the 2000s with like yeah. Kobe and whatnot. It's like man, like NBA was on tape. That was in over a decade ago. You know, it was like watching Kobe. You know, in his prime with the Lakers, and he had like Pau Gasol and whatnot. And even before that, when he had Shaq, it's like it was like. Over a decade, almost two decades ago, in, in many yeah. of those instances, it was weird. It's weird. I've been watching a lot of like documentaries on the NBA I just playoffs. Think, well, I just, it, I guess, I just want to accept that's forty years ago. It's hard to think that time has passed. That, that was quickly. seven, man. Yeah, so I was it, at the World Series in nineteen eighty. <laughs> it's it's really Mom, hard to think. Watch the Phillies and Royals. Yeah, come on, man. It's too quick. Time flies when you're having fun, I suppose. JJ Cooper, editor of Baseball America. Keep in mind they redid the rankings. <laughs> Uh, Baseball America did. Uh, MLB Top 100, of course, is the same. Bobby Wood Jr. is number seven. Lynch, 23rd best prospect. Ace Lacey, 24. Coar, 97. Baseball America's rankings came out today. Bobby Wood Jr.'s eighth. Lynch at 25th. Coar at 74th, 74. Lacey dropped from 29 to 76. That's a big drop. Prado enters the equation, Nick Prado. At pick 100. Here's J.J. Cooper on Jackson Coar before he makes a comparison. He's fascinating because he's a, he's not a unicorn, but he is unusual. He's a fastball changed up right. And that's – I want to say that. I mean, his breaking ball has improved, but I, he has a curveball that is still not just his third pitch, but it's really just a, kind of a, an early count, let me surprise him kind of pitch. He's a fastball changeup pitcher. Now, it is an excellent changeup. It's an excellent fastball. But you don't see a whole lot of big league starters still who are that. Now, when I say you don't see a whole lot, I think the key thing I should note is, is one of the ones I would point to, though, is, is that's what Lucas Giolito is. And so that's a, that's a pretty good guy to, to kind of you know, try to emulate because Lucas Giolito has been really good lately. But it's going to be interesting to see Coar will throw his fastball, he'll throw his changeup to righties and lefties. You know, a lot of right-handers are changeups just to pitch they throw to lefties. That's not true with Jackson Coar. He's going to throw it to everybody. It's really good. The question's going to be either can he get that breaking ball good enough to be just a solid third pitch to give hitters something else to worry about, or is he one of those rare guys whose changeup is so good, his fastball, which by the way, it's a mid-90s fastball too. It's not like He's got some life to it. It's not like it's just a changeup. This is a soft changeup guy. But are those two pitches good enough that you really don't worry about whether the breaking ball ever gets to be more than kind of an early count surprise type pitch that you mix in 10, 15 times a game? That's the, the interesting question we'll have to see. And that's the, the one that I don't have an easy answer for yet because we're going to have to see. It's been great so far this year. He's Tate made strides, but now we see, okay, how does that play against big league hitters? Well, Lucas Giolito certainly turned things around. That'd be something uh, to look forward to. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. is an interesting name for the Kansas City Royals. He gave a timeline for him. Maybe late summer. Maybe late summer. There's uh, no reason to hurry it. 
you know, better against left-handed pitching, or not left-handed pitching is fine, but right-handed pitching had a home run off that. But there's no hurry, Chris. There's no hurry. But I love moments like this. I'm okay with Jackson Kohar making the start on the West Coast because it's something to do tonight, man. It gives some excitement to watch some West Coast baseball. Gives you excitement to stay up till midnight and listen to Vern. Yeah, you should definitely do that. And it certainly is a, a really interesting develop in the middle of the season because, you know, we obviously know that this team's going to need starting pitching if they're going to make a run into the playoffs. So gotta have it. if you get a guy like Coart that can come in and, and kind of be a phenom, if you will, early on, uh, he could be a very important piece to a playoff run. If they need line. it, but I would say having Jorge Soler, Hunter Dozier turn around just in Monty being healthy, just as important. Oh, yeah. Like a Coar I mean, working out or not. I yeah, mean, that, that's got, those are going to be more important than Coar. They need that. But if you can get a Coar to yeah. go out there and play well and be a, a rock in your rotation, it just makes it that much easier for you. You'll be able to secure that playoff spot. No question about it. Burns on Deck Show comes your way next. Of course, you can hear Royals baseball right here on 610 Sports Radio. I'm looking forward to it. I always like these debuts. These are always fun. It's always fun hearing about these guys, seeing them getting called up. Kansas City. Once again, 2018 draft class on display. You've seen the others. What can Jackson Coar do tonight? That is the big question. I'm sure Vern, who was on the conference call with Mike Matheny earlier from Los Angeles, fills you in on some Jackson Coar. But regardless, I'll be listening. Make sure you're listening. Vern's on deck show next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.